Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. You know, I'm so thankful that you chose to join us today for our online service. I hope that moms, you feel especially loved and appreciated today. We really miss being able to celebrate Mother's Day in person with you because Mother's Day at church together is always just one of the highlights of the year. We just loved seeing all the pictures of the families of the picture wall at church. So what we did, because we don't want to miss out on that, is we created something for you to do online. If you'll go to our What's happening page on our website. You can follow the link to put a picture of you and your mom or or um, those moms in your life that are special to you. You can put them in a frame that we've created on Facebook to post to your profile. And um, that's just a special way of celebrating Mother's Day today. When you do that, please go to um, tag Forward Church. You go to Forward Church it's at Forward Church IN and just tag us so that we can see the moms that are being celebrated. You know, it was Billy Graham that once said this. He said, Only God Himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother in the molding of character in her children. Moms, you know, we just really appreciate you. So, would you just let me take a moment as we pray for each of you, our moms? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for the gift of moms in our lives today. We thank you for creating each mom with a unique combination of gifts and talents, and we thank you for the sacrifice of self that each mom gives for her children, for the late nights spent rocking that colicky infant, for their hands that have washed and wiped and scrubbed and mixed and stirred and created and just held. God, we thank you for the gifts of time that, that moms give to their kids. And whether it's stay-at-home moms or working moms or uh, homeschool moms, we know they sacrifice time for the sake of their children and their families, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the flexibility of moms, for their tirelessness, for their perseverance, for their devotion to their families. We pray you would give each mom strength, Lord. Help her to see in every seemingly mundane task that there is eternal significance that you place on motherhood. We especially pray for single moms who, who must lean solely on you, Father, for fathering their children. We thank you that your loving arms surround children who may never know their earthly father. We ask you, Lord, to be their source of spiritual strength, Lord. We, we ask that you would give rhythms of rest and repentance and forgiveness and renewal to shape every home. Help each mother today, Lord, to rest in the knowledge that they are stewards of your children and that your Holy Spirit will produce change in the hearts of each boy and girl that they are raising. May each mom today find rest in you and appreciation from us, their church family. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Well, listen, um, we're glad that you have joined us, and we're so excited that you're going to be a part of our service today. We're going to continue studying through Joshua. So if you would turn in your Bible to Joshua chapter 6, get to Joshua chapter 6 in your Bible. We're going to be continuing and learning today from Joshua's obedience to the Lord leading up to the fall of Jericho. So the important thing that we'll learn today is that the basic fundamentals of walking with God never change. You know, John Wooden is one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. He coached UCLA to 10 NCAA championships in 12 years, and that's simply incredible. In his own words, he credits that success to focusing on the basic fundamentals of the game. 
one of the very first things he would do with these amazing college athletes is that he would teach them how to properly put their socks on. It sounds crazy, but he would take them in the locker room and he would teach them how to put their sock on properly with the seam across the toes in the right way. He would teach them how to put their shoe on and then lace it up right so that they would know how to put their socks and shoes on right. And his reasoning was that if you don't start with the basic fundamentals, then everything else gets thrown off course. He would say the key to success is doing the basics well. And that's the point of the opening scenes in the book of Joshua. God's people are about to compete for or battle for the promised land. They're about to go in and take it over. And they need to remember to follow the basic fundamentals of walking with God and what that looks like. When what seems like insurmountable odds are facing them and the basics of walking with God, it's those basics that will deliver them. You see, the basics of what it means to walk with God, they never change. Today, we are facing what seems to be insurmountable odds. Things look different in our world than they've ever looked before, and we have obstacles in front of us that seem bigger than ever. And when we look at the Bible for clarity and what to do, it's as if God is reminding us how to put our socks on properly and how to lace up our shoes correctly so that we walk with Him. If you look at Joshua 1 verse 7, God is explaining to Joshua that he'll be with him and that he is giving the promised land over to him and to the Israelites. Now, in that verse, he says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. So what's the basic to success? No matter what challenge you're facing, well, it's to know and follow God. Well, how do we know and follow God? We know and we follow the Bible. You know and follow the Bible. That's the reason we're studying the whole Bible through in the year 2020, because it's important for us to know and understand God's Word and then how to apply it to our lives in every single situation that we face. And we're going to see that knowing and following God, no matter how ridiculous it seems in the moment, is exactly what Joshua learns to do and exactly what he needs to do. And that's what brings him success and the nation of Israel success. So if you turn to Joshua chapter 5, you look at verse 13, Joshua's first major challenge is taking um, Jericho. So his first major challenge in, in getting to the promised land, getting it and taking it, is to defeat Jericho. And the city of Jericho is a fortified city. It's one of the most fortified cities in the world. Its walls were so thick, you could ride two chariots across it side by side. So the scene here in Joshua 5 takes place on the eve of that battle that's about to take place. And I just imagine that Joshua is pretty nervous. You know, I would think that he is he is anxious about this. He's following Moses. He's wanting to prove that he's the right person to be leading the Israelites. So he can't sleep and he's strategizing. He's trying to figure out what they're going to do the next day. And apparently he needed some alone time. So he goes for a walk. And the Bible says that he goes right down by Jericho. If you look at verse 13, it says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? The, the way this verse is written in the original Hebrew indicates that Joshua had snuck right up to the walls of the city. It literally says, When he was at Jericho. Joshua was clearly a brave man. He is right at the enemy's wall, all alone. And he encounters a strange man in the dark with his sword drawn. 
Now, you would think he might have fled back to camp to get his army or, or that he would have tried to hide in the shadows and maybe hoped that that person had not seen him. Instead, the Bible says he walks right up to this man and he demands to know if he is friend or foe. Are you with us or are you against us? And the man responds in verse 14, says, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? So this man responds with the word no. And this was not a yes or no question that Joshua had asked him. So it might be a confusing answer, but no means no, you're asking me the wrong question. No, but I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. So this man is saying, the question is not, am I on your side, Joshua? The question here is, are you on my side? You see, he was telling him, I'm not coming to assist you. I'm coming to lead you. So just as the Lord had led them across the Jordan by the Ark of the Covenant, as they watched God lead the way, he was about to lead them into the promised land by defeating Jericho in his way. And the way to victory was through worshiping the Lord and following his ways. Look at verse 15 says, And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, who is it here that Joshua is standing in front of? And maybe you read that and you think, well, this is an angel. It's an angel of the Lord that he's seeing. This can't be an angel, though, because it says that Joshua worshipped this man. And whomever it was, they didn't stop him from worshipping. You see, angels, they never let you worship them. They're not created to be worshipped. In Revelation 22.9, John falls down to worship an angel, and the angel gets upset and basically says, what are you doing? I'm a created creature just like you. You need to worship God, the Creator. Joshua, however, falls on his face, and this man receives the worship. So what we're seeing here is Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. This is Jesus appearing to Joshua and saying, I'm the commander of the army, follow me. And what he demands is surrender, and that we remain in him, and then he will then fight the battle for us. So he says, take off your sandals because you're on holy ground in my presence. Now, I just love that. And I think about that. Why did, he, why did he say, take off your sandals? Well, for one, they would take off their sandals when they were going to rest. You're tired. You're going to rest. You're, you're settling in for the day. You take off your sandals. They would also, opposite of that, strap on their sandals as a signal of being prepared to go to war. It was readiness, having your sandals on. So Jesus is saying to Joshua, you rest in me take off your sandals. I'm going to fight this battle for you. So if you think of that for a moment and apply that to your own life, what battle are you trying to fight that you haven't turned over to the Lord? Is there an enemy that you're battling against in your own strength that you're trying to strategize against and defeat on your own? Maybe it's an addiction or relationship issues or it's fear and anxiety and you've been lacing up your shoes for battle and you've been trying to go it alone and strategize and find a way to defeat it. Maybe God is telling you today, take off your sandals, so to speak. Rest in the Lord's presence and let the Lord begin to fight for you. And it will feel crazy to do that because you're going to feel exposed. You're going to feel vulnerable when you do that. But we see Joshua, he's right at the wall of the enemy. He is exposed. He's in a very vulnerable place. And he unlaces his sandals and he rests with the Lord. Imagine the bravery and the faith in the Lord to provide that it took for Joshua to do that. 
Jesus says, take off your shoes, rest in me, follow me, stop trying to go it alone, and I'm going to fight this battle for you. When you follow his ways, he begins to fight your battles. And when Jesus fights your battles, it looks nothing like what you expect it to look. If we follow this, Jesus proceeds to give them instructions on how to take Jericho. He says, get your men of war and tell them to march around the city without saying a word. He says, you have seven priests play their ram's horns while you march around the city. You do that once a day for six days. So you're marching around the city, they're playing their horns, and once a day for six days, you're going to do that. And on the seventh day, you're going to go around seven times. You're going to continue to march around that city. And when you get to the seventh lap, I want your priest to play one long blast with a horn, and then I want everyone to shout all at once. And when you do that, the walls of Jericho will fall, and they will be defeated. So basically, these men of war, they're to act like a marching band for a week as they march around the city. Imagine how much faith it had to take for them to do something so outside of their character, so odd, because they trusted what God said was best and that God's way is best. How hard had this to be for Joshua? I can't imagine. He wants to prove himself. He wants to show that he's the right person to come in after Moses and lead the people. But there's no fighting. There's no, no um, battle going to happen. There's just going to march around the city? This sounds so crazy. But God says, you do this and I'll do the fighting for you. Then God says in verse 18, but you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing of destruction and bring trouble upon it. Now, this is an important detail we'll come back to in just a moment. But we see the Israelites, they do as they're instructed and God gives them the city. Judgment is brought upon the Canaanites by God because of their wickedness, and the Israelites plunder the city, but something goes terribly wrong because Achan takes some of the devoted things. And chapter 7, verse 1 tells us, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things, and it goes on to tell us that Achan took some things for himself. So God specifically had told them not to take any devoted things, yet Achan took some, tries to hide it. And the anger of the Lord burned against the whole people of Israel because of Achan's sin. And then they try to take another city, and they basically get pummeled. So Joshua, he goes on his face before God, and God reveals to him what Achan had done, and they have to get get that out of their presence before the, the presence and power of God would come to them. You have to get sin out of your camp, God says. And I, I want you to notice how God describes what Achan did. He says he broke faith. He broke faith. He violated Israel's trust or faith in God to provide as they needed. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Achan basically says, I don't trust God or, or depend on him to, to provide for me. I don't believe that he will give me what I need, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And I think of how often we do that same thing. You know, we tend to think, well, I earned this money. You know, I worked hard for it, and I'm going to give God just a little bit of it, or I'm not going to give him any of it at all. I'm going to hold it aside for myself instead of living as though every cent that we've ever earned actually comes from him. It's a gift from him. Therefore, we should give back a tithe to him. It's, it's, it's a small thing to give 10% to him when we recognize that he actually owns 100% of it. Or we follow God in some areas of life, but in others, we... We tend to think we know better and, and that our way makes more sense. It doesn't make sense to march around the city, so I'm going to attack the city. Because resting in him and following him, it sounds so countercultural to what we know. So we take matters into our own hands and we end up breaking faith like Achan did. 
So basically, there are three main things from this account in Joshua that I want us to look at that bring us success, three basics that we need to look at for our faith. Number one is that we are to assume a posture of surrender. When Jesus appeared to Joshua, he came as commander of God's army. He did not come to assist Joshua, but he came to fight the battle for Joshua. Too often we think of Jesus as being there to help us, to assist us, to be our guide as we go conquer the mountains in our life, right? Someone who can influence us. We think of him to guide us, to comfort us, to take care of us, to help us through tough times. And most of all, we want him to escort us to a safe place after death so that we don't have to be afraid. In reality, he does all those things, but in reality, even bigger than that, he is the conqueror. He is the leader, the commander of the army. And his command is not for us to allow him to assist us through life. His command is for us to follow him as he leads us through life. We are called to follow him. Listen, God wants to bring you success. He wants to bring you joy in life. He wants to bless you. He wants to take care of you. But you must first allow him to be Lord of your life. Lord over every part of your life, commander of your life, and that takes surrender to him. You see, people tend to accept loving Jesus because we all want to be loved. So we like the loving nature of Jesus. We even like the helpful Jesus because, you know, we all want seven tips to better living. We want to know how he can help us live a better life, right? And we certainly want the ticket to heaven, Jesus, because we want that ticket to heaven. We want him to usher us into heaven someday. But we really struggle with the commander of the army, Jesus, with letting him be our commander, with being leader of everything that we do, letting him command and lead us in our lives. But if you don't let him lead to be Lord over everything, then the reality is you don't get any of him. You see, you can't just pick and choose the parts of Jesus that you want. It takes total surrender to him as Lord, as commander of your life, trusting him with everything and letting go of your grip on the things of this world. You see, that's where Achan failed. It, it's not like Achan quit believing in God. I believe he still believed in God, but he broke faith because he was not completely surrendered to God. He felt like he needed to take control of some areas in life to guarantee his happiness and his security. I would imagine he thought something like, you know, this isn't going to hurt anybody. I'm just going to take a few of these items for myself, and it's going to assure my security in case times get tough. How often do we justify our lack of obedience with excuses like that? Let me ask you, what areas do you feel like you can't trust God's always going to take care of you and you end up taking matters into your own hands? Maybe it's with a certain habit that you feel like you can't really be happy without, so you continue it. Maybe how you approach relationships and you think, God, I don't want to be alone and you're not moving fast enough, so I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to make this decision, even though I know that's probably not what I should do, but I'm going to trust you to, to be with me through it. And maybe it's with your future plans and you think, God, I want you to be a part of my life. But here's where I'm going to go, and I hope you come along, and I hope you bless me. You know, for, for a lot of people, it's what we do with our money. I know so many people who hide money in their tent, and it's not that they don't believe in God. It's just they can't trust God enough to fully obey Him with surrendering in that area of their life. So what do you keep hidden in your tent because you can't trust God fully with it? Today's the day for you to dig that up, release it, because God knows it's there already. God had a better plan for Joshua and the Israelites, and it started with surrender. And he's got a better plan for you, and it starts with total surrender for you. To, to give that over to him and to trust him to be the commander of your army.
Once you surrender to Jesus being Lord, the commander of your life, then you can step out in courage. Step out in faith with courage. Joshua and the Israelites, they began to march around the city without any intent to fight. And, and that took incredible courage. Put yourself in the place of an Israelite warrior, a man of war. That's what they were created to do. You're expecting to fight. And God says, no, you just march. And while you're marching, nothing happens. You go around the first day and you march around and you're thinking, what am I doing? These people, are they're, they're jeering at me. They're sneering. They're looking down. They're making fun of me. And I'm, we're, we're just marching around the city playing horns. This is crazy. Nothing is visibly happening. That takes courage to do that. You know, I can imagine the enemy was just taunting them during those six days that they just marched around. Listen, there's going to be periods in our lives where we are simply marching in obedience to God. And we won't see any visible progress. Why do you think God does that? It's because he's more concerned with what's going on inside of his people than he is with what's happening externally around us. As we follow him and we walk with him and we walk obediently according to his ways, he is growing us in faith. He's growing us in our hearts and that obedience is building faith within us. And the greatest danger for you is that you'll quit when you don't see him working. What if the Israelites had stopped at day five or six because they didn't see God working? What if those men of war had said, this is ridiculous, I'm not doing this anymore, and they had stopped on day six? You see, courage is the ability to keep going even when you can't see results because you know and you trust and you believe that God is faithful. So when I ask you, where is fear keeping you from obedience? Well, maybe it's with resisting a temptation. Maybe you've tried marching with God, but you don't see him working yet. And that temptation keeps coming at you. It's still there. And you're tempted to just give in again. Listen, do not give in. Do not give up. It may be the sixth day, and maybe tomorrow victory is right around the corner. Maybe it's simply walking with him and trusting him through this quarantine time. Maybe you haven't seen exist the, the, the evidence of him working externally and you're tired. Whatever it is, you need to surrender to Jesus, act in faith to follow him, keep marching forward with him, and remain courageous to keep going even when you don't see the results yet. And that leads me to our final point, which is to wait on the Lord. In Joshua, the people are ready to fight. They're ready to go to battle. The question was not if they're ready to fight, but it was, are you ready to wait? You know, I just, I hate waiting. My personality is that as soon as I get a direction from God, as soon as I know where God wants me to go, I want to go now. When I see a challenge ahead, I want to attack it now. When I see something ahead that I know what we're supposed to do, I don't want to circle. I don't want to walk in circles. I don't want to circle it with all kinds of thinking and thought and time. And I just want to attack it and get after it. And let's conquer this enemy. Let's attack it. Let's defeat the hill in front of us. The last thing I want to do is circle an issue. But whenever God calls someone to do something, there's always that period of waiting. We see this throughout his, his word is we are to wait and to wait on him and to trust in his timing. I think it's one of the most difficult parts of our faith is waiting when you can't see what God is doing. It's difficult to circle a sickness 
and to wait and to see what God's going to do. It's difficult to circle when you're in singleness and you're waiting for that, that future spouse and you're just wondering if that's ever going to happen. It's difficult to circle when you have the loss of a job or you're getting passed over for a promotion or you're, you're battling infertility and you're just circling and you're marching and you're trying to be obedient to God and you're saying, God, I don't see you working. Or maybe it's difficult to circle when you're a student or an intern and you want to be out doing something significant and you're wondering, why am I spinning my wheels in this time? And, and maybe it's difficult for you because you're praying for a loved one. Maybe you've been praying for a long time and you don't see God doing anything yet. And you're just circling and you're saying, why do I have to wait through this? But listen, we have to trust and believe that God is working underneath the surface. God is working behind the scenes. And maybe it's the sixth day that we're on and the seventh day is coming and we'll see results. You see, Joshua, they waited on the Lord and the Lord provided. And then we see throughout the book of Joshua, he goes on to lead the Israelites through many conquests. And then he ends the book of Joshua this way. He gathers the people together and they present themselves before God. And it's this moment that I kind of picture as like this big celebration moment and they're all gathered and they're celebrating and he reminds them of where they came from. And he talks about the false gods that they once served. And then he talks about the false gods that, that the land, people of the land that they now inhabit once served. And he's reminding them of that. And he says, and choose this day whom you will serve. And then he gives this famous verse that everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people have in their homes. It's verse 15. You've probably heard it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua says. And the people agree. They're cheering. They're like, yes, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do. But if you read on in that chapter, if you don't just take that verse out of that and, and get excited about it, if you read on, it changes pretty quickly because Joshua calls them out on that. And he says, no, you won't. You will not serve the Lord. And they're like, yes, we will. We're going to serve the Lord. And he says, no, because he's a holy God and you are not. You can't serve the Lord. You fail. You follow your flesh. You get like Achan did and you try to take over yourselves. And then that's how Joshua ends. Joshua, like Moses, has been unable. He can't lead the people to be courageous and to faithfully follow God like they're supposed to do. And this is how every book in the Old Testament ends with the people failing to follow God. So another Joshua would have to come, and he would give us courage to obey all the way. And you see, that's why we have the New Testament, because there would be a new Joshua who would show us in even clearer ways that he was fighting on our behalf. You see, the city that stands in our way, it's not Jericho. The city that stands in our way is our sin. And Jesus, which is simply Greek for Joshua, Jesus says to us, take off your sandals, for with me, you're on holy ground, and I'm going to fight this battle for you. Jesus leads the way for us and fights our battle against sin, and he conquers sin and death on our behalf so that we can simply walk into the promised land. You surrender to Jesus as Lord, commander of your life. That's what it means to be a Christian. Then you follow him by faith, even when it seems ridiculous to do so, taking off your sandals and trusting him to fight the battle for you. And you walk with him and you wait on him, trusting that he is working things out. And then you shout with your mouth, I believe that Jesus is the Lord, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And you say, I believe Jesus is Lord and he paid for my sins. And when you do that, the wall of separation between you and God, it collapses, just like the walls of Jericho. It falls down. 
And then for the rest of your life, you just keep shouting, I believe. I believe in Jesus. He is Lord of my life. The Christian life is not Jesus helping you through this life. The Christian life is Jesus leading you. He is the commander. All it takes for you to succeed in this season of your life, the season that you're in, any season that you're facing, is for you to, one, surrender to Jesus as Lord, two, have the courage to obey and not give up, and three, to have patience to wait on God and His timing. I pray this encourages you like it does me and that you will allow him to be Lord of your life. Listen, if you've accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, then one of the basic fundamentals of our faith is to partake in Holy Communion together and remember what he has done for us. In just a moment, I will pray, and then you can take the elements during the last song as you're ready. As you take the bread, I want you to focus on the Lord and his willingness to fight the battle against sin on your behalf. He put his body between you and the enemy, and he took the punishment for you. Then as you take the juice, remember that his blood was spilled. His blood was spilled to pay the price for your sin. He went to war so that you could live in peace. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word, and we're thankful, Lord, that, that you have fought the battle for us. God, I pray that we would learn to take off our shoes, take off our sandals, so to speak, and that we would rest in you, that we would stop trying to battle on our own, and that we would trust that Jesus, the commander of the army, fights the battle for us. Father, we thank you for that. And as we take communion in just a moment while, the, while we worship, Lord, we, we just remember the body of Jesus that was in our place, that stood in between us and the enemy. We thank you for that. God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus as we drink the juice and how that washes away our sin by faith in him. And God, we thank you that he would pour out that blood willingly so that we could walk into the promised land and spend eternity with you. So God, as we take communion, we remember this awesome sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Well, listen, you can take the elements as you are ready. Let's worship our Lord together. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue in our series, A Wandering People. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.